Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We have seen in chapter 9 Ezra's deep prayer of confession, thanking God for not pouring out punishment on his people to the extent that he absolutely was well within his rights to do. And we've come upon chapter 10 now in our devotional plan. And and in chapter 10, you're going to see drastic measures of personal repentance taken by the people of God. There's this huge crowd that forms around Ezra in this prayer, and a leader rises up who is himself repentant from and and not actually guilty of in the first place, that sin of intermarrying, uh, although we see that some of his relatives are. And so in defiance of his own relatives, he's going to propose a a pretty radical solution in the name of actual, complete, and full, and total repentance before God. And it is shocking. Before we start it, I wanted to give you the background and tell you why. So we're going to start with chapter 10 tomorrow. And and for now, I want us to flash way back to the fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy, where God, generations prior, just like hit the nail on the head and predicted exactly what would happen, exactly the reason why Ezra is so broken. God had said this through Moses generations prior. Here's Deuteronomy chapter 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess, and he drives out many nations before you, the Hethites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and powerful than you. Okay, so this is kind of just a quick reminder that these seven Gentile nations, all right, which uh, there's something to that, uh, by the way, uh, they're, they're all bigger than you and they're, and they're stronger too but God's going to drive them out. So it's, it, there's sort of like a, a promise for the miracle built into that statement. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you and you defeat them, you must completely destroy them. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. All right, look, uh, it's not lost on me that right now Israel is at war with Gaza. Our prediction that we made in our devotions just a few just a few devotions ago came absolutely true. Uh, October 7th is when Hamas attacked Israel, um, uh, and then Israel responded. And for like five minutes there, everybody in the world agreed when we learned that they had that attacked Israel and they had cut children's heads off. There wasn't a sane person who was opposed to Israel's retaliation and response. But we predicted this isn't going to last, by the way. And then sure enough, man, just days later at Harvard University and other Ivy League schools, you can see this huge anti-Semitism rising up. I heard a man just burst into a massive corporate meeting saying, save the children of Gaza, save the children of Gaza. And I'm sure that that same man would have pity in his heart for the decapitated children of Israel, the children of Israel, the children of Israel. The nature of this warfare is tragic. It is terrible. I think that the children of Gaza are the responsibility of the adults of Gaza. And the adults of Gaza, if their election was legitimate, chose a terrorist organization to lead them. Even after Israel began responding, their leadership explicitly said that they wanted to wipe Israel off the map. And so... I hold the adults of Gaza responsible for the safety of the children of Gaza. I pray that children are spared. But I also know that this text in Deuteronomy, part of the Pentateuch, the you know the first five books of the Bible, this is probably also 
on hearts and minds throughout Israel right now. Make no treaty with them. Show them no mercy. So pray that God in his mercy enables us to be able to pray pray for the for the children of Gaza because they're their caretakers, their protectors, their guardians are the adults of Gaza. And the adults of Gaza have elected a government that is doing exactly what they said they would do. See our 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 sermon uh, in um, going through the book of Joshua when uh, we we see Judah's promise. That's the title of the, the sermon, where we read a lot from the Quran to help explain this is their worldview, this is the biblical worldview. Well, now we're reading the book of Deuteronomy. We are Christians. We disagree with Orthodox Jews today about this. For now, the Bible says they're going to come around. At least 144,000 of them are. But this is also their worldview, right? Uh, here's, uh, here's verse 3. Here's where God predicted exactly what would happen and hit the nail on the head. You must not intermarry with them, and you must not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, because they will turn your sons away from me to worship other gods. This was the prediction in Deuteronomy. Okay, do you remember that? This is this is not this is not just earlier in Ezra. This is Deuteronomy. This is God speaking through Moses, generations before any of it actually happened. But it, God's exactly right. Then the, then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will swiftly destroy you. Instead, this is what you are to do to them. Tear down their altars, smash their sacred pillars, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their carved images. God knew exactly what would happen. It wasn't... It, it wasn't some sort of divine revelation from uh, from God to Balaam when Balaam suggested that they send women into Israel to infiltrate, knowing that the men would just say, like, oh, you're pretty, and then just forsake everything they knew. God had made that call generations prior. God knows this. He knows this. He said that it would happen, and it's exactly what happened. And so now does Israel or does Israel not have the fortitude to do what it takes to drastically repent? There's there's not a Christian alive who can't say, like, that, you know, we, we weren't warned by God. You know, uh, we know the consequences of our sin. And there's not a single person who's ever sinned, who's ever been able to say, God tempted me. God did that to me. Like, no, God warned you about it. God doesn't tempt us. In fact, God does the opposite of that accusation. He always provides a way for us to stand up under temptation. Our temptation is our, 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 our temptation is mitigated according to our strength. And God always allows us a way to stand up under it. And so we are fully culpable for our own sin. Israel, having been warned explicitly, did it anyway. And so I don't necessarily like hold the women of Canaan responsible for misleading the men of Israel because in Deuteronomy, God warned the men of Israel. It could be that they, they at this point, you know, they had forsaken the true reading of the Torah. They had not really gathered around the law. That's kind of what Ezra was trying to rebuild here. Because if they had, they would have read Deuteronomy and they would have known, oh, wait a minute, that's exactly the situation we're in right now. I really, I, I think that, that, that they had forgotten the word of God, and then they ended up fulfilling it as a result, right? So, man, take a, take a look at the, the, the drastic repentance we're going to see Israel take and see here the basis as to why. 
consider in your own heart and your own life what drastic measures may need to be taken in honor of the revival project so that as we pray, as we give, as we make financial commitments, as we labor in the Lord to build a church here, to provide a house of God, right, where it's needed the very most in the U.S., would that would that revival begin in our hearts? Prepare yourself for the text that is to come, because it's going to set a high precedent standard for the lengths to which believers are willing to go when it comes to getting sin out of our lives.